this meeting by the way and what's the essence of these kind of meetings now this is Rema Bible Training Center like you know like you've heard and um, in May of 1950 Kenneth E. Hagin, he had an audible voice he was in Houston, Texas the voice said to him I want you to go teach my people faith I've taught you faith through my word I've permitted you to go through certain experiences You've learned faith both through my word and by experience. I want you to go teach my people what I've taught you. I want you to go teach my people faith. And um, he endeavored to do that and began to teach faith major on that subject. Well, in 1959, February, while he was in El Paso, Texas, the Lord Jesus appeared to him one of the times he did. And um, among other things, he was talking to him about the fact that to have a school of prophets in the New Testament is really uh, not scriptural. The prophet is one of the ministry offices. And every ministry gift requires the same basic training. So the Lord began to talk to him then about the fact that ministers need the same basic training in the things of God. And then in that vision, the Lord also spoke to him. I want you to teach my people how to be led by my spirit. Well, 1973. 1973 January while uh, praying seeking the Lord one morning the Lord said to him in the fall of this year I want you to have a, a faith seminar and an indoor camp meeting well the first camp meeting held 1973 July and uh, during one of those services he spoke out of his spirit and then he said we're going to start a Bible school right here on this premises you know a place to train people of the word of God and in the Holy Ghost, praise God. Well, Raymond Bible Training Center started in 1974. Pastor Hagin, Kenneth W. Hagin, he was the one that put it all together, praise God. And uh, as of today, there are 253 Raymond campuses in 50 countries, praise God, and still counting. Glory to God. Amen. Well, um, early 80s, the Lord began to deal with him about teaching about the Holy Ghost. Lord began to talk to him about that from the early 80s. Then in um, 1987, just before the annual camp meeting that year, Jesus appeared to him and then he spoke to Brother Higgins again. And then among other things he told him, he said, there's a move of the spirit that will be lost to this generation except they are led into it. Now the modern day charismatics, they know a little bit about worship. But uh, a little bit about praising me, but next to nothing about real New Testament worship. And then the Lord told him, I want you to teach about the Holy Ghost. There are other people in the body of Christ who help get the job done with the faith teaching. And uh, the Lord emphasized to him, I want you to teach about the Holy Ghost. Well, 1991, while in a meeting in Lakeland, Florida, uh, he spoke right out of his spirit that he uh, was going to start having Holy Ghost meetings. Well, it took him about two or three years to start. But then he began to have those meetings at the Lord's leading. And then when the Lord spoke to him about Holy Ghost meetings, he asked the Lord, what's a Holy Ghost meeting? And then the Lord said to him, a Holy Ghost meeting is three things. Number one, in a Holy Ghost meeting, the word of God is preached and or taught. The word of God is preached and or taught. Amen. Especially about the person and the work of the Holy Ghost. And then, you know, we always put the word first. The word comes first place. And then number two, in a Holy Ghost meeting, the Spirit of God is 
demonstration as well as in manifestation. Praise God. Now we know there are different kinds of meetings. There's a worship service where we come and the main purpose is to worship the Lord, to praise Him. There are prayer meetings where we ought to come together and pray. There are teaching meetings that are for the purpose of teaching. Uh, there are evangelistic meetings. There are healing meetings. There are different types of meetings. You know, sometimes we try to have camp meeting in every service. No, we shouldn't. Especially in the local church. The local church needs to have different types of meetings. And each meeting has its purpose. Praise God. Well, and the purpose of a Holy Ghost meeting, like I said, is different. To emphasize the person of the Holy Ghost. The move of the Spirit. So, number two, like I said, the Spirit of God is leading, is guiding, is in demonstration, and is in manifestation. And then number three, the Lord said to him in a Holy Ghost meeting, the needs of the people are met, and they are full of joy. They are full of joy. Then there are different manifestations of the Holy Ghost. We have in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, nine of them, nine ways the Spirit of God manifests himself. Then we also have physical demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Ways that the Holy Ghost demonstrates himself as well. You know the word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Paul said to the saints of Corinth, he said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith shall not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Praise God. So, the Holy Ghost demonstrates, and um, there are physical demonstrations of the Holy Ghost, several of them that the Bible teaches. But the Lord particularly emphasized to Brother Higgin about joy. Joy. Praise God. Joy. Well, um, this is a, a, a meeting that we're doing in Rainbow Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Now our students, level one students, they take 25 subjects, modules, each 12 hours. Uh, for a class, and that's about 300 class hours of Bible teaching. The level 2 students, they take 18 core subjects, 12 hours each, and apart from that, then there are the specialized courses, the stream courses, virtual leadership stream, for those who sense a call to public ministry, the five-fold ministry gifts. Then there are the supportive leaders, the youth workers, the children workers, the associates, the office workers and all. Amen. That's another stream. Then we have the societal uh, leadership stream for uh, people who just uh, marketplace people. How can I be more effective as a witness for God, as a businessman, as a politician, uh, as a doctor, as a lawyer? So we have specialized trainings in those areas. And uh, during the school year, we've emphasized quite a lot of teaching. But you see, just like Brother Higgins said, the purpose of Rhema primarily is to train people in the Word, and we put the Word of God first. That's the primary principle that Rhema was founded upon, the infallibility of the Scriptures, the integrity of God's Word. But you know something? If all you get out of Rhema is a sound understanding of the Bible, then you're half-baked. You're half-baked. Because yes, we teach the Bible, we train people in the Bible, but you see, just as important as that is, we also train folks in the Holy Ghost. So these Holy Ghost meetings are actually for our students so that they can learn about the things of the Spirit. You know, there are some things that are taught, but there are some things that have to be caught. There's certain things that have been in certain atmospheres and seen certain things practically 
Amen. We learn that way, amen, by observation, by association, by teachings. We get to learn that way. And we get our minds renewed. Praise God. So you see, these meetings are primarily for our students. It's a part of the training. And also for our alumni. You know, alumni need to always keep coming back home. Amen. There's something about not forgetting your roots. There's something about your own company. There's something about the importance of keeping to come back to your own company. Get refreshed. Get refilled. Get refined. Praise God. People of my precious faith that believe like you do. So these meetings are for our students, for our alumni, for our partners, for our friends. And also we are opening them to the general public. Praise God. So that we can learn about the things of the Holy Ghost. And we can put out these truths and remind ourselves of these things that we know. Amen. Well, what's going to happen? The, uh, how do the meetings run? What will happen in each, in each uh, session? Well, the morning sessions are prayer clinics. And what do you mean a prayer clinic? At 9 a.m., we'll come together to meet, and there will be some teaching about prayer, and then we'll spend some quality time praying. And then the evening sessions are the Holy Ghost meetings proper. Praise God. Where you might never tell what will happen. Amen. Nothing cut and dried. Praise God. We just endeavor to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Someone said, well, I think I know what you guys are going to preach on in the evenings. You don't. Amen. Because sometimes even we don't. Amen. We know as much as the Spirit of God tells us. And one thing about God is that he's a faith God. Amen. If God were to tell you everything, you would need to walk by faith. But sometimes he tells us just enough to get us headed in the right direction. Amen. And um, the work we prepare for meetings like this is a little different from the way I prepare for class. Well, in class, you prepare to teach. You know, teaching is more logical, line upon line, precept upon precept. You study along those lanes. But in a Holy Ghost meeting, you know, it, it's a different kind of flow. It's a different kind of meeting where we just endeavor to flow with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Whatever he wants emphasized, whatever he wants done, we might come and the Lord may just want us to shout for the entire time. Praise God. If that's what he wants, we're okay with it. Praise God. Well, what if he wants us to just spend the entire evening laughing? Praise God. We, we don't mind doing that. Amen. We know that if the Lord leads that way, uh, then we'll be blessed obeying him. Amen. You see, the full dimension of God's plans, we'll find it on the full dimension of, uh, uh, we'll find that with the full dimension of his blessings. You know, many times we make our own plans and then we take them to God and ask him to bless it. But the truth is, if we can get his plans, his plans are already blessed. Amen. Many times the reason we don't see the depth of the move of the Spirit, the depth of the demonstration of the power of God, is that we don't follow God's plans. And sometimes when we even get his plans, you know we can have the right, right motive and we can have the wrong motive. We can have the wrong purpose. So it's important to get our motives right. What should our motives be? You know, someone said, what's success? I said, success is simply obeying God and being a blessing to people. If you're doing what God told you to do, and you're being a blessing, then you're a success. Amen. We don't measure success the way the world does. We don't measure success the way folks, unbelievers do. Amen. We have the church of the living God. And so we're ever mindful of the Lord's direction. What you want done. Well, in getting set for this meeting, I just endeavor to pray some in other tongues. And um, just to meditate in the word of God. And just stay reverent before the Lord. And um, the Lord actually said to me, what you would like for me to share on this evening. Praise God. You just might want to turn with me to the book of Romans. 
Joy. And he calls it 
Rejoice in the Lord always and again. 
instructs us to rejoice. So that tells me something. If it takes the anointing, the Bible talks about joy in the Holy Ghost. And if God tells me to rejoice, then God is telling me he will furnish the anointing if I will respond to him. Amen. God will not tell me to do what he will not enable me to do. And we know it takes the anointing to praise God and worship in New Testament style. And God is telling us to rejoice, which means that we can. We can rejoice. It's an instruction of the word of God. Now, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, the Bible says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, he has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, the word forgiveness there happens to be the Greek word aphasis, and it means remission. Now, God does not merely forgive the sinner's sins. He remits his past. Amen. Now, we know our sins were not atoned for. Atonement is an old covenant word. In the new covenant, our sins were blotted out, and we have an actual redemption from the devil's dominion. Now, what should our response be to our redemption? The Bible says, we give thanks. We give thanks. What are you rejoicing about? Because I'm redeemed. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. If you can't shout about that, you can't shout about anything. Glory to God. That's something to shout about. That's something to rejoice about. That we are the redeemed of the Lord. And the Bible says we are to give thanks to the Father who has made us able to partake of the inheritance of the saints in light. You see, we have been delivered already. We have been translated already. The blood has been shed. The price has been paid. We've been freed from captivity by the payment of a ransom. We've been bought with the price, purchased with the preciousness. And the Bible says our response to our redemption should be that we give thanks. Should be that we give thanks. Should be that we give thanks. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, the Bible makes us to know that as believers, We've been raised up together with Christ. We were quickened with him, made alive with him. We were raised up with him, and we were seated with him at the right hand of the Father. So that's where we are, seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father, the highest position of authority that there is. Yes, we live in a world where the devil is gone. We may be in the world, but we are not of the world. Yes, the devil will come with his best, with his trials, Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, in the world you'll have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He has already overcome the world, and he overcame the world for us. Amen. We are seated with him at the right hand of the Father. And Psalm 2, verse 4, says that he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. So you know what? We can laugh at the devil. We can laugh in his face. We can laugh at his wiles. We can laugh at his tests. We can laugh at his trials. Maybe the devil throws you a, a punch below the belt. You can laugh at him and say, Devil, was that your best shot? It wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. Ha, 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 ha. And we can just laugh at him. Why? We have seen that in the heavens. We have seen that in the heavens. And the 
seats in the heavens shall laugh. Glory to God. So God instructs us to rejoice. God instructs us to give thanks. Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5. 16 to 18. Amen. The Bible says, Rejoice evermore. 17 says, Pray without ceasing. 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Are you looking for the will of God? Well, don't look too further. Don't look any further. We found it right here. It's to give thanks. It's to give thanks. It's to give thanks. So God instructs us to rejoice. It's a commandment. It's an instruction that we are to rejoice. Amen. We are to rejoice. Praise God. So first thing we said, we said joy is a part of the fruit of the born again human spirit. Because of the life of Christ, the Holy Spirit that is within it. Then number two, we said God instructs us in his word to rejoice. Amen. Now we're told that that joy, it's joy in the Holy Ghost. So God is certainly going to furnish the anointing if we will respond to him. Praise the Lord. He certainly will furnish the anointing if we will yield to him. Praise God. Amen. We are to rejoice. And then number three, listen to this. Joy is an expression of our faith. Joy is an expression of our faith. Amen. It's good to know what you're doing. Don't just jump because they are jumping. Don't just shout because they are shouting. Know what you are jumping about. Know what you are shouting about. Know the essence of it. Know what it will do for you. Know why you are doing it. Amen. And if someone comes to you and says, what's all that about? You tell him, do you have a Bible? Can you read? Well, if you can't read, I'll read it to you. But listen up. And then you show him the scripture. Amen. Because there's a foundation in the word of God. Amen. So the third one I said, I said joy is an expression it's an expression of our faith. Turn with me to James. James chapter 1. From verse 2 to 4. James 1, 2 to 4. The Bible says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Listen, if you are to count it, that means sometimes it's not going to be joy. Sometimes you feel like crying. Count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, where temptations there means tests and trials. Listen, when you're facing a test, when you're facing a trial, sometimes what you feel like doing is not joy. What you feel like doing is crying. Sometimes you feel like having a pity party. Oh God, why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? But the Bible says, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, you see, it's what you know that will determine what you do. Knowing this, that the trying of our faith, the trial of our faith, works patience. Now, patience there means persistence, consistency. And the Bible says, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Amen. Praise God. So you see, when you're facing that test, know this. It's not God that brought the test. God is not trying to try your faith. He knows what your faith is made up of already. The trials, the tests, they are from the devil. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil 
verse 6. The Bible says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So sometimes, when the temptations or trials come, they come to make us heavy. They come to get us down. They come to steal our joy. But listen, if the devil cannot steal your joy, he cannot keep your goods. Amen. Yeah, in heaven there's true manifold temptations. Verse 7, that the trial of your faith be more precious than of gold. And notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. He says the trial of your faith is more precious than that of gold. Than the trying of gold. Jesus is Lord. 
so we can praise him, we can bless him. Amen. You don't see him, but you know he's real. You know his word is true. Amen. So you can give him thanks. That's an expression of our faith. And then, like I said, in a specific sense, sometimes you're believing for something. What do you do? You praise God for the answer before it manifests. So number one, we said joy is part of the fruit of the born-again human spirit. Number two, we said God instructed us to rejoice. It's an instruction. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's an instruction in God's word. Amen. Then number three, we said joy is an expression of our faith. It's an expression of our faith. Well, what else about joy? Number four, joy strengthens us. Spirit, soul, and body. Joy strengthens us. Spirit, soul, and body. Nehemiah 8.10, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, the devil can steal your joy. He can deprive you of strength. And you know, we all need God's strength. The Bible, Paul was praying for believers that they be strengthened with might by God's spirit in the inner man. So our spirits need to be strengthened. We need to be strengthened mentally sometimes. We need to be strengthened physically too. Amen. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Do you want a renewal of your strength? What about rejoicing, son? Praise God. It strengthens us, spirit, soul, and body. The Bible talks about Abraham in Romans chapter 4, from verse 17 to 21. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, or like the margin says, like unto him whom he believed. You see, Abraham acted like unto God whom he believed. Even God who quickened the dead. And call that those things should be not as for the world. Who against hope, believed in hope, that he might be made the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. The Bible says, and be not weak in faith. He considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Notice, but was what? Strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. That that which he had promised, he was able also to perform. One translation actually says he was strengthened in faith as he gave glory to God. Amen. So it strengthens your faith also. Strengthens your faith to give glory to God, to praise God, to thank Him. Before you see the manifestation, before you see the answer, you praise God for the answer before it manifests. Amen. You praise Him for the answer before it manifests. So it does something to our strength. It strengthens us. It renews our strength when we rejoice. When we rejoice. Well, number five. Five thing. The fifth thing I want to say about joy. Joy of the Holy Ghost. Number five is this. That the emphasis in the New Testament for worship is to be being filled with the Spirit. The emphasis in the New Testament about worship is to be being filled with the Spirit. That's the emphasis in the New Testament. You see, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says we have a circumcision that worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. See, that's the circumcision that we are. We rejoice in the spirit. Amen. We worship God in the spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we do not have confidence in the flesh. We do not have confidence in the flesh. Now, you see, Israel, they were not a spiritual house. They were a physical house. If you read in 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 14, the Bible talks about how David danced before the Lord with all of his might. 
Could David do that? Yes. Should David have done that? Sure. Was that okay for him to do? Yes. Because for one, David was not in the Lord. He had to dance before the Lord. Do I dance before the Lord? No, I don't. I am in the Lord now. And that's why I rejoice in the Lord. I worship God in the spirit. And you notice that when David did it, he did it with all of his might. I don't rejoice with my might. I rejoice in the might of the Holy Ghost. You see, there's a dance in the flesh. Are you listening? There's a dance in the flesh. All that I was shoki, you know, you know, all those, all that dance that is in the world. That's not New Testament worship. It's not. It's in the flesh. It's in the flesh. It's in the flesh. That's what it is. Amen. And the emphasis for worship in the New Testament is for believers to be being filled with the Spirit speaking. Now let's say you are doing a marriage ceremony, you know, and as the bride is coming, Christian marriage, as the bride is coming, they say, let's dance. It's okay. You can come on there. All you want to come on there is a social gathering. Now, don't tell me you are doing that unto the Lord. No. It's a bodily exercise. The prophets lead you. We're just having an exuberant time by ourselves. It's okay. That may be fine. But please, for God's sake, don't call that worshiping God in the spirit. Because it's not. In the New Testament, the emphasis for praise and worship is for believers to be being filled with the spirit. That's the emphasis. That's the emphasis. I know this runs counterculture to African culture. But you see, the Bible says the tradition of the people is vain. Amen. Yeah, but this is our culture. Yes, just like it's our culture to have many wives. But you don't do that anymore, do you? Because you're saved. Amen. There's a kingdom culture. And in the kingdom, there's a dance in the spirit. Amen. There's a worship in the spirit. You know, let me talk a little bit. Talking about the emphasis in the New Testament for worship, that it's to be being filled with the Spirit. That's the emphasis. You see, we brought in the brass of the world into the temple in the worship of God. And that's why, let me tell you something, we cannot have the depth of the move of the Holy Ghost if we do those things. It's not possible. God will bless us as much as he can, but we will not see the full dimension of his approval. If we want the full dimension, now if you want to keep doing it, we don't have to quarrel about it. You know, we don't have to split hairs on it. We can disagree without being disagreeable. Praise the Lord, I'll still love you, you'll still love me. No, 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 let's fight over it. But you see, I see it in the word of God. You see, remember in John chapter 4, when Jesus was by the well in Sychar, and then there was that woman that came to draw water. And um, Jesus asked her for water, and she said, you know, the conversation started, and Jesus told her, if you take of this water, you thirst. But if you take of the water, I'll give you, you never thirst. The water will be in your well of water, spring it up in everlasting life. Well, the woman wanted such water. She didn't want to be coming to the well to, to fetch water. Apparently, this was like noonday or so. And yes, she was coming to draw water from the well. And uh, I, I don't think she wanted to be doing that. And someone is saying, you won't need to come again. So give me this water. Then Jesus says to her, go and call your husband. She responds, I don't have a husband. She just said, you well said. You have five. The man you're living with now is not your husband. Now, what was that? That was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Workplace manifestation. That's by the way. Amen. Who said manifestations of the Holy Ghost are limited to church? They are not. They are not. Many of the manifestations of the Spirit of God in the life and ministry of Jesus were not necessarily in a meeting. Yes, many of them were in a meeting. Usually there's a stronger anointing in a meeting, in a corporate anointing, all of us seeking the Lord. But the Holy Ghost can manifest anywhere.
man was, he had had this long question about who is right concerning worship. You see, Samaritans were half-breed Jews. And God's plans and purposes are progressive. Are you listening to me? There was a time when they worshipped him on Gerizim, and that was okay. But then, worship moved to Jerusalem, and Solomon built the temple. Remember, there was first Moses' tabernacle. Then later, there was a temple that Solomon built. It was in David's heart. But because David was a man of war, who had fought many battles, God said, no, you're not the one who do it. But David still kept money aside towards that temple. Another temple was built, and the temple was dedicated. And in the Holy of Holies, the Ark of God was shut up there. That ark consisted, uh, uh, it, it contained the tables of the law, the pot of manna, amen, and then Aaron's rod that brought it, and those were in the holy of holies. The ark of God was there. The Shekinah glory of God was in that ark. You know, sometimes people say, well, what it means to worship God in the spirit is just speak with all your heart. Yeah, I bet Musa did it with all his heart when he wanted to save that ark. But God knows my heart. God knows my heart is right. I think Uzzah's heart was right. He didn't want God's heart to, to fall. But it still cost him his life. You see, we cannot worship God on our terms. We worship God on his terms. So the woman was asking Jesus, who is right about this worship matter? You, Jews, you say it's in Jerusalem. We Samaritans, you say it's in Mankerism. I can see you are from God. I can see you are a prophet of God. I can see God's hand is on you. I know you should know this. Please give me the answer. In so many words, Jesus answered her, neither the Jews nor the Samaritans are correct. He said, you worship, you know not what, for salvation of, of the Jews. He said, the hour cometh, John 4, from verse 22 to 24, the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. What does it mean to worship God in truth? His word is truth. We worship him based on the revelation of our redemption. Amen. Based on the revelation of his word. We worship him in spirit. We are spirits. He is a spirit. And we worship him with our spirit. Amen. In the energy of the Holy Ghost. You see, in the Old Testament, only the prophet, the priest, and the king had any kind of anointing of the Holy Ghost. And then those specially called of God to perform special tasks, like judges, like the Gideon, like Gideon, like Samson. You know, for the prophet, the priest, and the king, those three categories of people had the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And even then, the Holy Ghost was not within them. The Holy Ghost would come upon them to stand in those offices. When the layman needed guidance, he went to the prophet to seek what said the Lord. He listened to me. And then the prophet will tell him, in the New Testament, it is unscriptural for a believer to seek guidance through a prophet. Now, is the prophet's ministry still relevant today? Yes. Are there some differences between the Old Testament prophet and the New Testament prophet? Absolutely. The Old Testament prophet was sent to the nation of Israel. The New Testament prophet is sent primarily to the church. Now, could God show him things about the nation? Yes. But you see, sometimes we mix it up. Some people try to still function as if we're in the Old Covenant. Once you don't get that divide between Old Covenant and New Covenant, believe me, most of your theology is going to be flawed. And I see that as a big problem today. If something as big as Jesus shedding his blood did not affect our worship, how we worship God, then something seems to be wrong. Amen. In the New Testament, 
Every believer is born of the Spirit. And then after being born of the Spirit, we can be filled with the Spirit. Amen. This one initial infilling of the plan of God is that there be subsequent reveals. Emphasis of worship in the New Testament, you see it in Ephesians chapter 5. But the Bible says in verse 18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Well, what is a psalm? Are those the psalms of David? Yes, I know the psalms of David are scripture. And by the way, David did not write those 150 psalms. He wrote just about 74 or 75 of them. For all that inspired people, anointed people, you know, that the Holy Ghost came upon, who wrote the rest? When the Bible says you should speak in psalms, I know those psalms, you know, it's scripture, we can speak them, but that's not what the Bible was saying. Because Paul wrote that to the Ephesian church, they were a Gentile church. They did not have access to the Old Testament scroll. There were no printing presses. When he said hymns, was he talking about SOP, song of praise? You know, I used one. In the primary school I attended, I went to Baptist primary school. We had SOP. It was blue, 444. Is all things bright and beautiful. 636. Is rock of ages. Cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. And I may be able to tell you a few other songs because I sang them. I went to a secondary school. I fellowship there. FCS. I got born again in FCS. Praise God. And then we had SS and S. Secret songs and solos. RH. Redemption hymn now. RS. Redemption songs. Yes. Many of those songs in those hymn books are great songs. Inspired songs. But some of them aren't either. Amen. Some of them. You know, like John Alexander Dowie said, he said, many of our songs are embalmed with unbelief. Embalmed with unbelief. Praise God. Amen. What's a spiritual song? Is it somebody comes to say, sing a spiritual song? And somebody comes and he sings, Jesus, we have thrown you. We proclaim you are king. I'm not saying that song is canon. But that's not what the Bible is talking about. When it talks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What's a psalm? It's a spiritual poem or an ode. It may rhyme or it may not. But usually there's an element of poetry to it. It may be sung, it may be chanted, or it may be recited. Now, I'm not given to music. I don't sing except I'm by myself. Amen. You might not be edified, but I believe God is edified. So I sing by myself. Amen. So I'm not that given to singing. You know, my wife is. I'm not. I just speak out my psalms. Amen. And him. Is a song of worship addressed to God. A spiritual song is a song that brings forth the revelation of what the Holy Ghost is saying at the moment. Now, how do those things come? They come by the spirit of prophecy or through tongues and the interpretation of tongues. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, that give me all prophesy one by one. So every believer can speak in inspired utterance by the Holy Ghost. Now, God will not tell us to do what he won't anoint us to do. God knows it takes the anointing to do it. And God is saying, folks, do it. That means he will stir up the spirit of God on the inside of us. He will enable us to do those things. Colossians 3.16. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17 says, that whatever you do in the word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. 
dangerous songs. Every one of First Corinthians 14, 13 says, let him who speaks in tongues pray that he may interpret. And every believer should be interpreting his own tongues in his private prayer life. Now, is it everything you say in tongues that should be interpreted? No. But there are some that you need to know. Your mind needs to be fruitful. You know, many times we take that scripture, I will sing with the spirit, I will sing with the understanding also, I pray with the spirit, I pray with the understanding also. But if we take the entire context of it, we see the import of what the Spirit of God was trying to pass across. In 1 Corinthians 14, 13. Wherefore, let he that speaks in tongues pray that he may interpret. For, verse 14. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayer, but my understanding is unfruitful. 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will pray out in the understanding what I prayed in the Spirit. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. I will sing out with the understanding what I sang in the Spirit. Amen. You know, that's what God's word teaches. It says, else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, verse 16, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned, unlearned in spiritual things, say amen and the giving of thanks, see the understandeth not what thou seest, for thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not in fact. Amen. So you see, in our private lives, that's the emphasis for worship in the New Testament, is to be being sealed with the Spirit. Is to be being sealed with the Spirit. And the first thing we do when we are filled with the Spirit is we speak. We speak. Acts 2 4. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 4 31. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. 1 Corinthians 12 3. Ye know you are Gentiles, carry the word with these numbers even as you were led. Verse 3 says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God collect Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord about the Holy Ghost. See, those idols were dumb, but the Spirit of God is not. He is a speaking spirit. And when he comes upon you, he moves on your tongue. The initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. But speaking in tongues is not only the initial evidence, like our Kara said, of the baptism in the Holy Ghost. He said, but it should be a continual experience for the rest of one's life. To assist in the worship of God. A flowing stream of praise that shall never dry up, but will enrich the life spiritually. So continue to speak in other tongues in your private life. And then get over into prophecy in your private life. Now, are there going to be times when in a public assembly, someone may give a tongue and there may be an interpretation. The gift of prophecy may operate in public assembly. Yes. But you see, we should be using these things in our private lives as well, in our worship of God. So the emphasis in the New Testament of worship is for believers to be being filled with the Spirit. It's to be being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Well, number six, you know, there are different ways that we express that joy. You notice that in 1 Peter 1.8, the Bible calls it joy unspeakable and full of glory. Well, if it's unspeakable, there are bound to be ways we express it. Don't you think so? There are bound to be ways we express it. Amen. How do we express it? Psalm 126, verse 1 to 3. The Bible says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. Now, who is Zion? According to Hebrews 12, the church is Zion. We have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, and the company of angels. Amen. The spirits of just men made perfect. We have come to Mount Zion. So when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, reminds me of Colossians 1.13. We have been delivered from the authority of darkness. And we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. He says, we were like them that dreamed. It looked like a dream. We were captives to the devil. We were slaves to Satan. But blessed be God Jesus. 
principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He brought the devil to naught. So the Lord turned our captivity. He says, who are like them that dream. Since then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. So you see, when you are glad, you notify your face, isn't it? You send your face an email. Amen. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Oh, glory to God. So he has turned our captivity. And that's why we rejoice. Amen. What are the ways they express that their gladness? The Bible says their mouth was filled with laughter. And that doesn't look like a smile. A smile is not my mouth being filled with laughter. Have you seen someone's mouth filled with laughter? As in his laughing, they're seeing his attitude. Are you listening? Amen. And our mouth is singing. So we express that joy in singing. Amen. That's why we can sing a new song. We can sing a song of praise. Either songs we know or songs given by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost at the score of the moment. We can sing. Amen. We can laugh. You see Psalm 149 verse 3. Psalm 150 verse 4. The Bible talks about praising God in the dance. Amen. We can praise God in the dance. And remember, in the New Testament, the Holy Ghost enables us. You see, the church should stop going to the world to learn how to dance. The world needs to come to the church to learn dance. Amen. The Holy Ghost is a genius. He's a spirit of creativity. And he can anoint us to dance. He can anoint us to dance. Did you know that Jesus rejoiced in the spirit? Did you ever know that? Did you know that Jesus danced just like we do? Yeah. I mean, Jesus is company. That's good company. Praise God. Go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. The Bible says we should be imitators of God as their children, right? Amen. The Bible says he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Now, why are we taking the time to explain some of these? We're trying to set the tone for the rest of the days. However, the Spirit of God wants to go. And we're trying to get us to see these things in the Word of God so we understand them. You see, laughing in the Spirit, dancing in the Spirit is not a special move of God. It's not. It shouldn't be. That's just believers, new creatures, just worshiping their Father. It should be the norm. Are you listening to me? It should be the norm. It's not a special, oh, no, oh that meeting was special. What happened? They laughed in the Holy Ghost. It should be like, oh, we do that all the time. Amen. I'm not talking about something walked up. I'm talking about something inspired by the Spirit of God. Luke chapter 10. If you start from verse 18, the Bible says, oh well, let's start from 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power, authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Verse 20 says, Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. Now, so it's not to be, yes, we rejoice that we walk in dominion over the devil, but more importantly, we rejoice because we're children of God. We rejoice because we're in the family of God. We rejoice because we have eternal life. Verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. Now the word rejoiced here is the word agalio. Agalio, one of the meanings of agalio is to jump up, leap for joy. 
scriptural than Jesus. What do you think? You can't be more scriptural than the word himself. And Jesus did it. The Bible talks about how the baby leaped for joy in the womb. Amen. Of Elizabeth. Amen. You see, we rejoice. We rejoice. And it's an instruction. So, it doesn't have anything to do with I feel like it, I don't feel like it. I can do it in faith. I can stir myself up. I can say, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm just going to rejoice. I can lift up holy hands. I just magnify my Father. I can praise Him. I can bless Him. I can worship Him. You see, the world claps. But saints lift up holy hands. First Timothy 2, 8. The Bible says, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Are you listening to me? Is there a place of clapping in a service? There is. We're introducing a minister. Let's put our hands together for so and so. That's okay. As a natural gesture of welcome. Now, don't say, let's put our hands together for Jesus as Reverend so and so. No, it's not Jesus I'm clapping for. I'm clapping for the Reverend Gentleman or the, or the brother. I'm clapping for him as a natural gesture of welcome. Well, we want to call the choir up to minister in song. It's okay to clap for them as a natural gesture of welcome as they come up. But when the choir finishes ministry, don't let's clap for them. They shouldn't have been performing. They were ministering. Are you listening? So what do we do when they finish ministry? We lift up holy hands. We lift up holy hands. We give God praise. That's what we do with our hands in the New Testament. We lift them up. Listen, why am I emphasizing these things? If we reverence God, His presence and His power will be manifested in a greater degree. You see, we brought the likeness of the world into the church. Hey, what's up, G? How you doing? Give the, give the old man upstairs a white power. You know, it's God we're talking to like that. Will you say that to your father? We're talking about God, our father. Yes, a loving father. Yes, a merciful father. But a father God. We reverence him. We reverence his presence. We reverence his power. He's in our midst. He's in our midst. In the Old Testament, the scribes that copied the scrolls, everywhere they were going to write the name God, they went to take a bath. They threw his bath before they wrote it. If his name were caught 20 times in a chapter, they had 20 baths. It was a reverence. You see, the modern charismatic movement, we're losing our reverence for God. We're losing our fear for, of God. We're not afraid of him like you're afraid of the devil or afraid of a snake. But there should be a holy awe. There should be a reverential awe about the things of God that affects the way we conduct our lives. Amen. Now somebody is giving a message in tongues or a prophecy. That's not the time to be clapping. If you are clapping, we can't hear what the Spirit of God is saying. What do we do? We listen. And when the message is done, we receive it. We thank God for it. Hebrews 13, 15 says by him, let us offer to God the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So we just say glory to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's New Testament. That's what to do in the New Covenant. And when we do that, the move of God will be stronger. The choir finishes ministry. They're going back to their seats. When they finish, we lift up holy hands and they will say something like, praise God, glory to God. That's awesome. If I don't preach a message, we were blessed. Well, we give God thanks for the message and we lift up our hands. You see, the world claps. But saints lift up holy hands. Listen, if we quit clapping and start praising, we'll move up to greater glory. 
We've gone as far as we can under the present circumstances. If we want a deeper move of God, let's practice some of these things. Amen. It's in the Bible. It's not a revelation from Tulsa. It's a revelation in the Bible. It's scriptural. Amen. Praise God. So, we express that joy with laughing, with singing, with dancing, with jumping. Amen. Jumping. We jump for joy. Numbers 23, 21. The Bible says he has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither has he seen perverseness in Israel. What does that remind me of? 2 Corinthians 5, 21. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he doesn't see iniquity in us. And the Bible says the shout of a king is in their midst. The shout of a king is in their midst. So that's why we shout. Amen. If you read in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 48, from 46 to 48, you see how the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he outran the king's chariots. That's why we run. Amen. They are expressions of our joy. Well, World Cup is starting tomorrow, right? And then you're watching your team. Maybe Nigeria is playing one of those matches and you're watching and you can't contain yourself. Maybe we just call. Whoa! What are you doing? You're rejoicing. Amen. Well, if you can get glad and jump up and down over a bag of air, I can get glad and jump up and down over the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Father God. Glory to 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 God. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God.
He said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. Well, he wrote it to them the second time. He wasn't sure they had calling it. So he wrote them another letter. Now, who's the person with the pain on the right side of his chest? Who are you? You have a pain on the right side of your chest. Who are you? Let's put up your hand right now. Amen. Receive your healing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. He wasn't sure they had gotten it. Then he wrote it to them again, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, from verse 14. He said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath life with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Said, For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Listen to me. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. He dwells in me. Amen. But when we come together as a body of believers, we are God's temple, his sanctuary, and his spirit has his permanent home in us. So we form a bigger vessel for the spirit of God to fill. See, there's something about getting in that place of unity, in prayer and in praise, that brings the corporate anointing into manifestation. Are you listening to me? So we are God's temple. Acts 13, 2 says, as they minister to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said, who's the person who's been having for a few days now? You've been having some terrible aches on your back by the waist. Who are you? Amen. All right, take your healing now in Jesus' name. Glory to God. The power of God is of you. Glory to God. As they minister to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, in such atmospheres, the Spirit of God manifests itself. See Psalm 22, verse 3. The Bible says, Thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Something about praising God. Something about worshiping God. Something about getting excited about the things of God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I tell you two stories and I quit. Brother Hagin, he talked about one time after I got healed, got off that dead bed, August the 8th, 1934. He got healed. He said, but he didn't have much light about faith and healing. Just had some. All he knew was Mark 11, 24. A things never ye desire. When you pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And I got him healed. But he didn't know where sickness comes from. He didn't know. He didn't know that sickness is from the devil. He said for 10 good years, 10 good years, there was a fear that dogged his tracks. That fear followed him everywhere he went. Everywhere he went. What was the fear? That he was going to get back to that deathbed and he was going to be back in that prison. He did anything and everything he knew to get rid of it. The fear didn't go. Until one time in 1944, he was reading a book by Lillian Yeomans, Healing from Heaven. There's a chapter in that book, I have a copy. Where does sickness come from? And Dr. Yeomans showed from God's word that sickness is actually of the devil. Comes from the devil. Came after the fall because of man's disobedience. Brother Hagin was studying middle of the night when he saw that. He said when he saw it, he was so thrilled. So sickness is actually from the devil. So sickness is actually from the devil. So sickness actually comes from the devil. That devil who's defeated. That devil who's beneath my feet. He said he was so thrilled. He, he, he started running around the room. On Sabbath man, he was. Amen. Be afflicted. Started doing a running spell around the room. Just so excited. So thrilled with the truth of God's word. Just running around his bedroom. Oh, glory to God. He was excited. And he went to sleep. About two hours after, 
He was so thrilled, he had to jump out of bed again. He put on the lights, and then he took another running spell around that room. Oh, sickness is from the devil. I found out the truth. I found out the truth. I found out the truth. The devil is defeated. Sickness is from the devil. And he's under my feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Took another running spell. 2 a.m. He jumped up again. Began to run around. 4 a.m. He jumped up again. He took about four or five running spells. He said before, when he went to sleep in the night, that fear was by his bedside. Waited for him to wake up. As soon as he woke up, he followed him. Followed him to the pulpit. When he went to preach on the pulpit, the, the, the fear will follow him right to the pulpit. When he finishes, it will drop his tracks again. But when he found the truth, John 8, 32, the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He was so thrilled about that truth, he couldn't contain his joy. Amen. Just rejoicing. You know, the Bible says, I rejoice at thy word as one that found great spoil. So by the time he woke up the next morning, was gone. He didn't have to cast it. He didn't have to bind it. He didn't have to lose anything. Just revelation knowledge from the word of God. And you see, you see him rejoicing. That was his faith in action. That's what set him free. There was another time, 1954. You know, I said two stories. He was in Pasadena, Texas. I was preaching for Pastor J.R. Goodwin. And then in the night time, alarming heart symptoms came to him. Now he knew something about those symptoms. He had been healed of a heart condition. Incurable blood disease, paralysis. And then, all of a sudden, in the night time, at 1.30 a.m., the symptoms of the heart trouble came back. And then the devil began to whisper to his mind, this is one time you're sure not going to get your healing. This is one time you're sure not going to get your healing. You're not going to get your healing this time. He said, did he feel like laughing? No. Was he anointed to laugh? No. He said, just in the flesh, just to put on. He just covered himself. He didn't want to disturb any, uh, the other people in the house. He was in the pastor's parsonage. He covered himself with the sheets. And then he just went on like this. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. So just as dry as it gets. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 He just continued for like 10 minutes. And the devil said, what are you doing? He said, I'm laughing. He said, what are you laughing at? He said, I'm laughing at you. He said, why are you laughing at me? He said, you said I'm not going to get my healing. The devil said, that's right, that's right. This is one time you're not going to get your healing. And then he just went on. Ha, ha. Stripes, 